0: what is up and welcome back to another episode of the wizards podcast i believe this is episode five or six i'm not sure um but it's going it's gone well and the season has started it's going to be a little easier to get some topics going to talk about some stuff because we're getting into the thick of things started the season last wednesday against indiana we're already three games in the wizards sit at one and two pretty expected honestly i had them at zero and three so i'll take the win against memphis but you know in this episode, we're just going to discuss each game, you know, break it down one by one. And this is what I want to do with this pod in terms of games. You know, hopefully every Wednesday, every Tuesday, I'll have an episode out. And there should be about three to four games that I can break down and give my thoughts on, talk about, you know, what I liked, what I didn't like. uh, And, and you know, just dive into, you know, the past week in Wizards basketball. So let's start with game one get right into it at Indiana it was bad. there's not much else to say about it it was it was really bad all around in terms of you know effort in general we just didn't show up to play. we were outmatched from the start and we made a good Indiana team. I'm not gonna say they're great yet. I'd say a good Indiana team. we made them look like they were elite. we made them look like they were one of the title contenders this season, which they're not uh but we made them look really good. The fact of the matter is the defense was awful, and, and when you come in as a defensive head coach like Wes Unsell Jr. did, you lay an egg in your first season. You rank in the bottom 10 in terms of team defense. You come out the next season, you also come in the bottom 10 of team defense, and now you're out here again giving up 143 points, which is, by the way, a record for opening night. I think the Indiana Pacers scored the record points for – uh, you know, most points scored by a team on opening night with 143. As a defensive head coach, that's pretty embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. You can't you can't go all offseason, breach defense, then come out here and, you know, have records dropped on your head because you can't defend a parked car. The defense was horrible, and that's something that, that you, you just hate as, like, a fan of this rebuild. Like, you know they're going to suck. You know they're not going to be good. But at least, you know, lose in the right ways, you know, If you're losing 107 to, like, 95 and you can't score that many points, like, okay, you're still defending hard. You're still playing tough. But if you're losing 143 to 120, you're not learning anything. You're just trying to outscore the other team. And, yeah, nice. You scored 120 points. It's pretty impressive on offense. But you're not going to ever beat a team when you give up 143 points. It's not going to happen. And for the Wizards to come out here and lay an egg like that defensively was pretty, you know, tough to see. Uh, another thing I want to touch on is Gafford. He's he's going to have a much bigger role this season, obviously asked to start and you know not starting alongside another big, not starting next to KP, but he's starting by himself. He's a lone anchor down there and he's got to play like it. When you're coming off the bench, you can be a lot, uh, you know, more radical with your fouls. You can be more aggressive. You can go for blocks. You can go for steals because the team, you know, doesn't need you to conserve your fouls. You have six to give, you might as well play aggressive, and if you foul a little too much, the starter's going to come back in. When you're the starter, it's not that simple. you got to be smarter with your fouls, because especially when your back line is as, as depleted and as bad as ours with Muscala and with Gallinari, you have to be much more smarter if you're gaff when you're playing. Not going for blocks that you know you can't get, because that results in fouls. Not going for you know loose balls and steals that you know you probably can't get, because that results in fouls. It's little things like that, and as we saw, he went for a 50-50 ball that, you know, he probably couldn't have gotten. He fouled uh, I think it was Miles Turner and picked up his third foul with like 4 minutes left in the first half. And then he comes back down the court with 30 seconds left, knowing he has three fouls, knowing he needs to conserve it, and he goes for a block, doesn't go vertical, picks up another foul. That's four fouls in the first half. I don't know if that's on Woods for not taking a player out and protecting him from himself. Uh, and I also I don't know if that's on on Gafford for, you know, not being smart enough to realize, you know, let me just let him go if I'm already beat and not go for this block, because chances are I'm going to pick up my fourth foul. And if they score two points, OK, but if I get my fourth foul, we're kind of, you know, we're fucked. And that's something that he's got to work on. And Wes mentioned that in his post game presser after the Memphis game he's basically like, yeah, like I'm actually pretty impressed. You know, I, I like what what Gaff is doing in terms of keeping his fouls uh low, but. Obviously, it was an issue last game, and it's something, obviously, they're working to correct. So, hopefully, they get that under control. But that's something I really didn't like about that game was Gaff getting in foul trouble, especially because our our back end of, of the front court is not that great. Bilal, NBA debut. I thought he played solid. 23 minutes is a little low for me, especially considering that eight of those minutes came in garbage time when we threw the white flag, meaning that he was probably around, like, 15 to 17 minutes because I think that's starter time if the game is close and Bilal wasn't starting. So I just, I didn't like the way we utilized him. I thought offensively he was relegated to the corner. Like we expected, they didn't really get to show anything on offense. The Pacers sagged off him. Yeah. He made a three, but didn't do much other than that. And on defense, obviously he, like he played well, he he's good. He's going to hold his own on defense. But when you're not utilizing the right way and he's just kind of running cardio out there, not doing anything on offense, that's not what I want to see in a rebuilding year. I want to see Bilal being a focal point, having a high usage rate, high usage percentage on offense. So not a big fan of how he was using game one. The lack of halftime adjustments is something we talked about all last season because we would just get blitzed out of the half every single game. And it happened again against Indiana. Down five, going into half, felt pretty good about yourself. You know, you led by five after the first, so ten point swing in quarters is not great, but you'll take it on the road against a good Indiana team. Come out of half, you, you know, you know, you gave up seventy three points in the first half. You got to, you know, prove your defense, make some adjustments. There were no adjustments. Spoiler alert: nothing happened. They came out hot. They shot four for four, made three threes, blew the, grew the lead to ten. Uh, and then eventually grew the lead to 17 about five minutes in, and the game was just over from then. And Rick Carlisle was a great coach. Credit to him. He made some really good adjustments, spaced the floor, moved the ball, locked in on defense, got on transition, did everything that they wanted to do, played Pacers basketball out of half, and they just – they destroyed us. And look, when you're a young team, something that's going to happen, but I'd like to see West get a little better in terms of, you know, adjusting to the adjustment, knowing, okay – look, Indiana's probably going to do this out of half. What can we do to maintain, you know, the lead we have or, you know, keep the game close, stay in it. But when you get blitzed out of half, you can't defend. Stuff like this happens and the game's pretty much over. The final thing from the Indiana game that I wanted to touch on, I thought Kuz played well. He was efficient, you know, got rebounds, helped out. because We're really going to need him to to average around eight rebounds per game considering, you know, our our front court is not the best post-Gafford. So, We're going to need Kuz. We're going to need Day to help out on boards. Um, And he really helped out down low. I thought he was, you know, he played a good game. He didn't force too much. Uh, So I I wanted to touch on that. I thought Kuz played well. But look, it's game one. You don't want to overreact too much. But 143 points is, it's just terrible. When when Kuz talks about you want to lose the right way, you don't want to just get blown out every game because you're not building good habits. This is this is why he's saying it. Yeah, we lost, and I know a lot of Wizards fans want to lose, but when you're losing by twenty three points, you're giving up one hundred and forty three points. You're not playing good on offense. You're not playing good at all on defense. You're turning the ball over, making unforced errors. That's not good. Nobody is learning there. You are just playing good, terrible, terrible brand of basketball, and and that's something that we need to avoid going forward. And I'm not gonna say it falls on coaching. I'm not gonna say it falls on the players. I don't know who's ultimately responsible. I just know it needs to be cleaned up. Moving on to game two. This game was sick for me because I got to go as credentialed media. It was my first time as a member of the media um, at any type of NBA arena. I cover the men's hockey team for Penn State. So I get to get a media pass and go to those games, uh, which is really cool, obviously, you know, talking to the coaches, talking to the players. But, I mean, this is a whole new thing. And obviously, like, you try not to fanboy because – I would consider consider myself one of the biggest Wizards fans. I'm sure, you know, all of you guys are huge Wizards fans too, but if you've been following along with me, I mean, I I can't tell you the last time I missed a Wizards game. You can even date it back to last season. I'm sure a lot of of the listeners stopped watching after we were knocked out of the playoffs, but I was tweeting through all the final games, you know, watching Jay Huff dominate the Atlanta Hawks. That was one of the highlights of my season. You know, I just, I like, I love this team and I, I don't like missing games and I, I'm obviously going to be in it for the long call. So, you know, growing up, going to games with my dad and my brother, you know, watching from the stands and actually going in as media, being on the court, I got to stand on the court. I was two steps away from Jordan Poole, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson, Jr. It was just a really cool experience for me personally, just being there, uh, you know, getting to cover the game from there. I got to ask Wes a question in a pregame, same with Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis coach. Uh, So it was just a really cool experience and hopefully I get to do it a lot more in the future. I'm going to try to go to some games, maybe during Thanksgiving break, a lot during, you know, December months when I'm home from college, I'll get to go. But again, just really cool experience for me. And I hope you guys enjoy the coverage from the game you know the videos I got to get stuff I can't do when I'm just watching it from my dorm room I got to you know experience the warm-ups and all that stuff live which was awesome so hopefully you guys enjoyed that that brand of the coverage and hopefully there's more of that to come but look in terms of you know breaking down this game Corey Kispert was was unbelievable 22 points in the first half and I understand Corey didn't score for the rest of the game but Memphis adjusted. They played him really tight, went over every screen, blitzed him when he'd come off the ball. And that opened up looks for others. And Corey didn't force it to his credit. He took only two shots in the second half. He realized, look, if they're going to key in on me, that means they're not doubling Jordan. They're not doubling Kyle. And they can go work, you know, take over this game, which they did. They took over in the third. They took over in the fourth, which was great. So, you know, great game from Corey. He was dialed in. He was locked in. There was a point the second quarter where he scored probably like 12 of our last 15 points. He couldn't miss from 3. And the best part about it is it was efficient. Like he was 8 of 14 from the field. He shot 50% on threes from like, on 10 attempts, which is a great clip. I mean anything over 40% from 3 is really good. 50% is unbelievable. Uh, and, and you know he he just had a great all-around game. I thought he was the best player on the court during the first half love the way he played, and he defended hard as well. He wasn't a liability on defense. He was guarding, you know, Derek Rose for some of the time. Sometimes he was on smart, but it's not like he was just getting destroyed like he would last season on defense. He wasn't a liability, and that's all we need him to be. We don't need him to be DeLon Wright on defense, where he's getting steals, deflections, blocks. He just needs to be a sound defender and, and hold his own, and he did that. So I was very, I was very impressed with Corey. Thought he looked great. Uh, in terms of Denny, he – this might have been his most complete game that I've I've seen him play in a while. You know, he got he got beat a decent bit in the first half on defense, but he adjusted the second half. He got his hands in the passing lanes, was much more aggressive. He got the steal that led to the outlet pass to J P that threw it up to Kuz for the lob. It was you know he he just played a really good game, something you want from your small forward you know diving on the floor playing good defense he knocked down his threes as well his shot looked great you know 2 of 3 from 3 for denny is it's just it's great numbers and the sample size isn't you know as big as some people might want a lot of people want him shooting more from 3 than just three shots but look he didn't force it he took what they gave him when he was open he took the shot and it's it's what he has to do if you want to space the floor you can't have guys out there that can't shoot denny can't shoot for the most part of his career the fact that his shot looks good and and some teams might have to start respecting him, it opens up the floor for guys like Kuz and Pull to work and and makes them get easier shots. So I was very impressed and, and very pleased with the overall game from Denny. If you look at the box score, he didn't you know his numbers won't pop out at you, but if you watch the game, you know how much of an impact Denny made. So I was very impressed with Denny. The pace was awesome. That's something that Wes talked about. Kuz talked about at media day. Just pushing the pace, making sure we're getting out and playing fast as a young team. That's something they stressed. And it's it's really shown. I have 120 points the first game. Uh, You know, put up 113 here. And we're getting more, as you see with the pace, you get more shots. You get more looks. And that's the point of it. You know, you create more opportunities for yourself to score. Instead of, you know, slowly bringing it down, trying to run a set on half-court offense. That's boring. And that's something that West did a lot last season. That's why a lot of fans were pushing for, you know, us to get out and run, not just, you know, take the ball up the court fast and then pull it out for a half court set, get it to KP in the post offense stalls. You get a bad shot from Brad at the end of the shot clock and you wash and repeat. Now we're getting out and running. We shot 46 threes. We almost shot 53s against Memphis made almost 35%, which is a good clip from a, you know, a team effort perspective, but, the pace was just the pace was great. I loved how every time the ball went through the basket for Memphis, we immediately inbounded it. We were running, we were you're we getting good looks. There was a point in time where I think, you know, the ball went through, uh, Delon got it out, got it up to to JP. He outlet it to Kuz. Kuz went in, got an and one. It's just little things like that. You create easier opportunities for yourself instead of having to work hard in an offensive set, you know, in the half court. So Really enjoy the pace, really enjoy the amount of threes we took. It was a very modern style of basketball, something that we haven't seen from a West Unselled Junior team so far here. And one of the things that is not going to be talked about enough is the game management from Tyus Jones. He controlled the entire game against Memphis, his former team. 14 points. That's around what you would expect him to average. The real caveat here is seven assists, zero turnovers. I'll repeat that again seven assists, zero turnovers. When you lead the league in assist to turnover ratio the last two seasons, it's not, this isn't a surprise. This is just what he does. He's a very smart player. He's a very conservative player. He knows when to make the pass and when not to make the pass. He's never going to put, you know, a teammate in a spot where he's giving him a 50-50 ball. He's giving him a bad pass. You know, he's forcing it. He doesn't do that. He plays at his own pace. He plays, you know, Tyus Jones basketball. And it's it's so beneficial for the team when you're not, you know, you have a point guard that doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't create, you know, opportunities for the other team to get out and run. He just, he's a game manager and he controlled the game against Memphis. And that was one of the reasons we won. When it came down the stretch, you know, we had, we had guys pushing the pace. Tyus would grab the ball. He'd pull it out. He'd take all 24 seconds, get a good shot. He had, a, he had a couple big threes for us uh in the first half when we were really struggling to get scoring out of the gates. He had a nice little uh mid-range jumper, I think with around three minutes left to you know maintain the lead at about six to eight. He was great. And I think Tyus has been one of the better wizards. I'd say he's been a top three player for us all season. I'm just very impressed with with what he's done. He just he looks like he belongs as starting point guard. I would hope in DC, you know, I don't see him going anywhere in the future. Hopefully, you know, he's extension eligible soon. We'll see if we get, you know, any talks going with him. Don't necessarily want him to hit unrestricted free agency. If we want him here, you might as well give him a nice deal. You're rebuilding. You know, you don't have to worry about salary cap. You have so much space. You know, it would be nice to retain him on a nice little two-year, three-year deal. Keep him as the point guard of D.C. So I was very happy with what I saw from Tyus. And the final thing is defense. Look, you gave up 37 less points than you did in game one. You got to give credit to West for locking in on defense, you know, adjusting, making sure the team didn't come out flat again. You also got to understand this is a Memphis team that's built around one player, that player job, Morant, not available. It really hurts their offense. And Memphis was one of the best teams. They were second in the West last season. They only got better, in my opinion, adding smart. They got D Rose. They have a good roster. They just don't have their best player. It's the reason they're and four. They're not, they might be the best 0-4 team in NBA history. They're not that bad. But I think we played a complete game. It kind of, it got away a little bit at the end, which is, is qu- quite concerning. We were up, I think we were up as much as 25. and And they brought it to within six with about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we went on a run where we missed about, you know, seven, eight straight shots. And they just kept missing as well. So it could have gone bad, and that would have been a really bad loss for the, for the Wizards early in the season. Somehow escaped, you know, maintained the lead. Kuz was really, really solid down the stretch. Did what you want from Kuz to, you know, coming into a bigger role. He's going to need to take over in the fourth, attack the basket. You know, he had a nice mid-range, um, fade away from the baseline to, to keep the lead. And then uh, if you saw the video I posted on Twitter, he had the putback dunk on the Tyus Jones three. Exclamation point on the win. You know, we just took it from there. So I was very happy with Kuz in game one. And I, I he had a he had a bad shooting night. Started one of five against Memphis from three. Not that efficient, but, you know, it didn't stop him from taking over and, you know, winning the game for his team in the fourth quarter, which is what you want from Clutch. Clutch Kuz is the calm. So I, I love what I saw from him in the fourth taking over. Loved what I saw from Tyus that game. Uh, and, and, yeah, it was it was a really good effort, really strong effort to get, you know, your second win of the season, which was really impressive for, for this Wizards team like, I, against what I think is a good Memphis squad. So happy about that. That that put us at, at one and one. And then you move on to, to last night against Boston. This isn't fun to talk about. We just got worked. There's no way around it. You know, outmatched, outworked, outshot, outrebounded, outhustled. Every single out, something that you could have done, we did. They just beat us in every aspect of the game. And look, when you're rebuilding and you're playing against the team that is considered the top title contender, they have pretty much five all-stars in their starting five. They are really good. You're really bad. You're going to lose. I don't expect us to even be like close. Uh, We might lose every game to Boston this season by double digits. The fact of the matter is, you want to be losing games like who said in the right way. When you are getting out rebounded, you're giving up double digit offensive rebounds. That means you're not boxing out. You're not doing one of the principal, you know, rules of basketball and boxing out. That's not good. When you are getting destroyed on defense, yet again, you're not rotating the right way. People aren't in the right spots. You know, guys are just taking. People off the dribble at ease. You know, there's no help side, you know, defense to, to stop Tatum or Brown drives. Your perimeter defense is horrible. I don't know how many times Jalen Brown was wide open, but Jalen Brown was wide open a lot. Al Forford had a couple open looks. KP had some open looks from three. It was bad. And when we talk about rebuilding, we talk about building the right habits, making sure that when you do lose, you're doing the right things. You know, you're playing hard, you're defending well. At the end of the day, it's just a talent deficit, and that's why you're losing. Look at OKC from the last couple of seasons. They played every single team tough for the most part. They still were bad. That's what happens when you have great coaching, you got guys in the right spots, you got guys playing hard, and at the end of the day, sometimes you just don't have enough. And that's what OKC had, and that's what I want us to have. Some days, you know, you're not going to have enough, especially – when you're rebuilding, but if you play the right way and you lose, nobody's going to hang their head. You're just trying to build for the future. And look, we didn't do that against the, the Celtics. We didn't do it against the Pacers. Hopefully we do it next game against the Hawks, but this was just a bad effort from the start. And it started with Wes Unseld's decision to go small. And look, I said this pregame, I respect his decision. I I appreciate the fact that he tried something. Knowing the talent gap was immense against this Boston team, you needed to go for, for something. With Daniel Gafford out, you were pretty thin in the front court. You, are you going to go with Gallinari on KP? Is that really going to do much? No. Is Muscala going to defend KP really well? No. I think Muscala would have probably been the better option. He's still seven foot. It's not like he's getting towered over by KP like 6'3 Jordan Poole was he still would have gotten cooked. We still would have lost, at least with the small ball lineup. You know, maybe we get our hands in the passing lanes, you know, create ha- uh, You know, chaos on defense, get out and run and, you know, keep the game close. But we didn't. As expected, Boston decided to just go to KP for the first seven minutes of the game. Every single possession, it seemed like it was a dunk down low. And even if KP didn't score, you know, we doubled him and someone else caught baseline or was wide open for three. We were quickly down 31-11, to 11 and, and the game just got away from there. It was never really competitive. Um, one thing I, I, I want to touch on first is Bilal starting. Bilal starting was great. We want Bilal to start. We want Bilal to get as many minutes as possible. That's the only way he's going to develop his offensive game. But Bilal starting, playing six minutes, then coming out for 18 minutes and not playing the rest of the first half, that is bad. That's bad rotations. That's bad coaching awareness. Why are we starting blaw and not getting him back in the game in the first half? The point of this season is player development. Why are you playing him for six minutes and then just forgetting about him, letting him just sit on the bench and watch the game? This is a guy that needs reps. It's great when he gets reps against better competition like the Celtics because he's going to struggle. He's going to do really bad, but he's going to learn from those experiences. He's not going to do that just sitting on the bench. So I I hated that. I don't know why. I don't know if Wes forgot about him or if that's built into the game plan to start him and then not play him. Who am I to know? But not a big fan of that. Another thing about Bilal is we knew this coming into the draft, but his offensive game still has a ways to go. Yes, he flashed some nice things. He had a, a nice take baseline on KP for the dunk. He drilled a three, but... He's still, I think he went one to five from three, not efficient at all. Um, When he gets the ball, especially when he's playing with the starters, he gets it in the corner. He takes a dribble and he's immediately looking to pass. And I don't blame him. He's He, he doesn't have much in his bag right now. He doesn't really know what to do in terms of you know, getting around his defender, creating for others. But that's going to come and that is why he needs to play. He's going to learn on the fly, you know, throw him into the deep end, see if he can swim. He, you know, you're you're going to struggle at first, but eventually he's going to figure it out. And that's only going to happen with repetition. The more repetition you get, the quicker it's going to be, you know, the more valuable this time is for him. So, again, yes, great. You started Bilal. Not great. You only played him six minutes in the first half. Not great that he doesn't do much on offense when playing with starters. So, some pros, some cons. Hopefully we see a little more Bilal going forward. Maybe even in the starting lineup. Who knows? Um, the defense was horrible yet again. Just bad scrambling on every possession. Mismash, mismatches down low with KP. Small ball lineup did not work. And one thing I want to talk about with the small ball lineup, I like I said, I commend West for trying something. I don't commend Wes for going with the same lineup to start the second half. It's clear that it doesn't work. They are going to annihilate you in the paint. And you go back to it. You should have started the second half with Muscala, taken Bilal out, you know, played Denny, or, you know, just done something with the rotation so you're not having 6'3 Jordan Poole guarding KP in multiple possessions down low. That should never be the case. And it's just the little things like that. Like when you get beat so bad with this mismatch, random starting lineup. And then you roll it out again to start the second half and expect something different to happen. Just makes no sense. I don't I don't understand it. I I wasn't a fan when I when I saw it again. I thought for sure Muscala or Gallinari was gonna start the second half, but did not happen. So what are you gonna do? Wizards got blitzed out of the half as well. Boston started on a 9-0 run. You know, that's what's gonna happen when you when you roll out a small ball lineup that doesn't do well against Celtic's team. Game was over from there. Never really close. One thing that I really liked was in garbage time. I mean, this is bad because with eight minutes left in Indiana, we threw the the white flag. With 12 minutes left against Boston, we threw the white flag. You never want to be in games where it's already done that long, like that far away from the end of the game. But one caveat is the young guys get to play. The end of the bench guys, you don't get to see a lot, get to play. One of those guys being Eugene Marui. I said all throughout preseason, even when we signed this guy, I said Wizards fans are gonna love him. If you watched the Detroit game last season, he just goes for it. He doesn't he doesn't care who's on the other side. You know, he doesn't care about the talent deficit. He's gonna go out there and he's gonna play his ass off. He's gonna hustle. He's gonna dive on loose balls, he's gonna rebound. He's just a gritty player that you want to build culture on a team that that desperately needs it. And and he did it in preseason. He'd come out and score 16 points on, like, 6-6 shooting, 7 rebounds, 4 assists against the Knicks in, like, what? Not against the Knicks, but against, like, the Hornets in, like, 10 minutes. He he really, he's taken advantage of the opportunities he's got, and he did again last night. I mean, this is a stat line. I'm just going to read this out. It's so impressive. In 12 minutes last night, Eugene Omarui had 14 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. Five of five from the field, one of one from three, and was a plus 14. Just think about that for a second. Against Boston's reserves, obviously, which Boston doesn't have terrible reserves. They're still decent players. A lot of them would probably play for this Wizards team. He went out there and did that. He was all over the floor. He was the best player on the floor. And when you consider how bad our small ball lineup was, this is a a guy that I wouldn't have mind starting at the five tonight. He, he's a, he's a dog. Like I just, I love his game. I love his passion for the game. I love how he plays. And I just, I think he's going to be in the rotation at some point this season. I don't know if that's going to come later on against, you know, a team in February after the trade deadline, or if he's going to earn a spot right now. But if, if I were West, I'd play this guy, you know, you want to play the guys that are going to play hard for you that are going to impact winning. And I, I would. He's probably like a plus thirty-five since joining the Wizards. A lot of that coming in preseason, but still, he's showing out. He's showing like why he impacts winning. And I just, I hope we can find some minutes for for a guy like this. At least see what you have in him. I think he can really contribute. Um, another thing, the starters were were just terrible. They just they they never had anything tonight. No juice. No defense. Got blitzed. Um, most of them were minus thirty. If you look at the box score, just. Really bad for the starters. Not much else to say about them, except they just played bad against a really good team. Not too concerned about it, but still something to note. And and like I mentioned in the beginning, it's not the fact that we lost to Boston. It's how we lost to Boston. This game was never close. We never made any real runs. We never were in it from the start. Like When you play against a team like Boston, I feel like it's a good opportunity to you know, take a tough team, play them as hard as you can. You, you lose by 10 to 15 still because they're that much better, but you still play well. And that didn't happen. We turned the ball over. We played poor defense. We didn't have enough effort. We had a lot of unforced errors. That's a lot of stuff that bad teams do. I understand that, but we want to get out of that habit. We want to start building good habits. And, and that didn't happen last night. The final thing from this game that I really didn't like was the fact that with 12 minutes left in the fourth, until about five minutes left in the fourth, Anthony Gill was getting run over Patrick Baldwin Jr. Why? Why? Anthony Gill is 30. He's in the final year of his contract. He was almost cut. Why are we playing him, a 30-year-old, on an expiring deal who won't be here for the future, over Patrick Baldwin Jr., a 20-year-old who I wasn't even sure, I was sure more positive he was going to get cut than Gill at some points, And we aren't evaluating him the way we should evaluate him. That should have been 12 minutes for Patrick Baldwin Jr. to show the coaching staff what he can do. Instead, we played Anthony Gill. I understand keeping Gill here for mentorship, you know, making sure that, you know, guys are building the right habits. That's fine. I I don't mind if he's even here throughout the duration of the rebuild. You need guys like that in the locker room, creating a good culture. But when it comes to the floor, these are valuable reps for Patrick Baldwin Jr. to, you know, get into the NBA. Play good minutes, show out, learn, and you know you cut it short. You cut it in half from what you could have played him. I didn't get that. I'm I'm happy that he played a little bit, but I feel like we missed an opportunity to get him some run there. You know, at the end, and the last thing that I want to talk about is uh, Josh Robbins from the Athletic reported that um we picked up the options for Corey Kispert, for Johnny Davis, and for Patrick Bowen Jr it's pretty expected. It essentially just means that, you know, we have them for another season. It's like a, a one year extension that you can pick up and exercise. The money just is a little more expensive. I think it's probably around like six or seven for Corey, a little uh, more for Johnny. Cause he's a little higher at the 10th pick, but you know, expected moves. I actually wasn't even sure they were going to pick up Baldwin's options because we haven't seen anything from Baldwin, but you know, I'm sure they, they view him as a project and and that's good that we picked it up because it means he's here for another season. He's on a cheap rookie contract and hopefully he gets better. But yeah, finally uh, you know, just going to the game. I just want to talk about that for another second. It was sick. Um, you know, I highly recommend a lot of you guys get out to Wizards games. I know the attendance isn't going to be great this season. I mean, if you saw Boston last night, I thought we were at TD Garden. I didn't even think we were at Capital One Arena. But, you know, this team obviously needs people to support it, and, and look, the, the tickets I'm sure are going to be cheap. I think the get in price to the home opener was like thirty bucks. A lot of other stadiums have it over a hundred. So I, you know, if you can, you know, try to pop out to a game is great. Uh, good food. Uh, met a lot of cool people. I want to give a shout out to Bijan Todd who works for NBC Sports. Or, sorry for Monumental. Uh, for Monumental he was i mean like when you when you go to games like me and it's your first time going there with anything you do obviously it's going to be a little nerve-wracking you don't know a lot of the people there you're still getting acclimated bijan could not have been nicer you know helped me out with a lot of things showing me where to go you know when things were happening um so if you don't it's i think it's be just bijan todd on twitter i'll double check that but if you haven't, go follow him. He's new to Monumental for the Wizards this season. He's going to be covering them. Give him a follow. He is really good stuff, writes really good articles, Um, and and just couldn't have been nicer. So just really wanted to shout out Bijan. Also met Chase Hughes from Monumental. Very nice. Josh Robbins, very nice as well. Um, These are all guys on the beat. Obviously, you know, if you haven't, go follow them. They all produce great content. Uh, but yeah, had, had a great time at the Memphis game and, and hope to see a lot of you guys um at the games if you are ever there and you see that i'm posting about the game from there i should be in section 104 in the um the press box so come say hi obviously i I, I think i'm gonna go there's like four games at the end of december that i want to hit um so if you're there uh, come say hi obviously i met matt maderno there uh jabari if you're listening so again appreciate all you guys for, for listening and supporting my stuff because going to games like this wouldn't be possible without all of you guys engaging with my content and supporting. So appreciate that and, and hope you guys enjoy this episode uh, of a recap of the first three games. I'm going to try to do this every Tuesday or Wednesday after we have about three to four games, you know, break them down and hopefully get about, you know, in a half hour to 40 minute, you know, episode just breaking down these games and I'll have other guests on as well. I'll probably have Matt on, Damo on later on, uh, you know, a bunch of other of wizards, Twitter personalities. So, Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Let me know if you if you like this breakdown style podcast or anything you want to improve. Obviously, I'm I'm still new to the podcasting thing, so if you ever think, "Oh, you should do this, you should do that." I'm always open to criticism. You can always hit me in the DMs. So, again, appreciate you guys for the support. Hope you enjoy this episode and I'll, I'll catch you guys next time.